Imagine sitting down and enjoying a couple of drinks with your friends when you turn and the lamp from across the room just turns on its own. At first you think nothing of it, and then as you continue to look, the lamp just suddenly turns off. That catches your attention. And you keep that lamp in your line of vision. And then with that warning, the light just comes back on again. Now imagine waking up a little after 3 a.m. And you head to the restroom or for a drink of water. And while walking down the hall, in front of you is the apparition of your recently deceased grandmother. You blink a couple of times thinking you're still sleeping, but she's still standing there, just looking at you. So you take a few more steps toward her, and with every inch as you get closer, she's still there. And just before you reach her, she vanishes. Coffee and Calacas is a weekly podcast where we share stories of the supernatural, discuss mysticism, and explore the beyond. If this is something that interests you, then stick around and enjoy the show. So the scenarios mentioned are all true. Um, and recently recounted to me. Um, well, except for the first one with the group of friends. I actually was there for that. Um, was actually having some drinks with some friends. And I didn't necessarily see the lamp turn on and off. But two of the people that were with me did happen to see it. They witnessed it. And, you know, the look in their eyes when they realized that something supernatural-ish has happened is just amazing. Um, kind of the same look that I've always had when something supernatural has happened to me. And, I mean, they went up there and they're trying to mess up the light and trying to see if it, you know, would happen again. And it, it really wouldn't. You know, it's just something that they're looking at it and it turns on. And then without warning, it just turns off. And you think, oh, maybe it's a faulty light bulb. You know, it's flickering on and off, which happens. And that's not supernatural, right? But they're looking at it and, you know, they try to mess up it and it just doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden... When they're least expecting it, it just turns off again and then turns on again. So, you know, we're there for a while and this happened a couple of times, um, enough for them to notice. I didn't see it happen, you know, each time I was looking at my phone, I was, you know, um, reading some stuff, some material actually, and didn't happen to, to see it, but I was there when it, it did happen and it's spooky. Now, um... For the ghost in the hallway that did happen to my mom um so it's not her grandmother it was actually her mother she was walking um from the restroom and she's where she saw my grandmother sitting in the dining room table just there and you know she walks back to the room i guess she doesn't didn't pay attention to it and when like she gets into the her bed i guess it hits her that hey i saw my mom there and she blinks and she's like no i've been awake like this entire time you know and it, it shook her up. It, it did. It shook her up. I mean, who wouldn't be shaken up by that, you know? I mean, it's someone that you loved and they're there when you least expect it. It's creepy. I mean, other stuff have, has happened. Um, 
I, I do apologize that I haven't had consistent videos like I have um, before. It's just that with work, I haven't had the time to be able to film or record any audio either. I've just been that busy. Um, but in the last, from the last videos I've had to now, things have happened. I mean, where I witnessed, you know, with my own eyes, a chair move, you know, significantly, um, at least three inches. And you may think, well, three inches is nothing. Well, it's something when, you know, it's the middle of the night and it just happens on its own, just by itself, you know, where things have flown, uh, a cabinet door opened and something flew out of the, the cabinet. Um, it, it's things like this that make you think, you know, well, what's out there? Um, so this brings us to this week's topic. This week's topic is about ghost stories. Ghost stories that happen in Texas specifically. Now, like I said before, I have had my share of um, of ghosts. I've dealt with them before. And I, I have had a lot of ghost um, encounters at the university when I was going there. Um, man, um, one time, and I'll, just a little quick, quick one throwing, out, throwing that one out there. I was with my friend, Nora. We were, I think we're, we're going into classes. I'm pretty sure that's what we're, what we're doing. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember exactly why we were in the restroom, but I know we were in the restroom for, for a reason. And I get out of the, I'm getting out of the restroom and she's getting out too. We're both washing our hands and all of a sudden we hear a disembodied voice just, you know, kind of like growls or very deep grunt. And it, it freaked us both out and we both ran out of there. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's just not think anything of it. Then it happened again to me when I was by myself. Um, I was actually changing in the restroom because I was going to go running after class and our class after my class before had been canceled. So I said, you know what? I have some time. I'm going to go running for some exercise. So I changed and same thing happened, you know, and I think it was in the same restroom too. Heard a voice called out and it, it's, it scared me. And another instance, um, we were at the library and it was my friend Michelle, my friend Elsa, and my friend Nora. Um, that those are their names, and I'm sorry I forgot to change their names here, but you know what's up, what's up, ladies? Love you guys. Um, and the four of us are in a study room, and it was a very small study room. I mean, super small. Um, I I don't know how big it was, maybe about an eight by eight. It was a very tiny room, so we were kind of crammed together in front of the square table, and I took out my computer. I, I don't know if Michelle had hers or she was writing. And I know Nora was plugging in her cell phone at that moment when she hears something call her name and it says, Nora. So she whips her face to me. She's like, did you call me? And I said, no, I, I wasn't me. She's like, but you heard it. I said, yeah, I heard it too. You know, it, it's one of those that freaks you out because you don't expect something to happen. And I'll be honest, you know, that, that was probably one of the, the creepier ones because it, it actually called her name and it said, Nora. Um, I've had other experiences by myself, like I said, um, where I've witnessed things that shouldn't have, you know, where I can't explain. It's just, you know, I went to I, my first, I wanted to was my first year, my second year at the university. I was taking a, a remedial course for mathematics and I had to go to the computer lab to go um, 
finish some 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 like test or something in the computer lab. I and and for the computer lab, I'd have to get there early for for that class because it was about two hours that we'd have to be there. So I remember going into the computer lab, and the computer lab at that time was in the old library. Um, and I go in there, and I go to the second floor, and it was before class was even you know before eight in the morning, and I was pretty much the only one there at that moment. And I, I went to go to the restroom. Well, in the restroom, I remember hearing clearly the door open to the restroom. And I hear um, a giggle, you know, like a... <laughs> and it, it freaked me out, you know, just because you don't have kids there, you know, that early in the morning. N at least not there in that building. Just because it was during, like, the school year. Um, the regular semester, not summer semester. So... There shouldn't have been a child there that, that early in the morning. At least I didn't think so, right? So I get out and um, the restroom at that in, in that building was like a sort of like a square. So I walked around from where I went, walked around to the side to go wash my hands. And I'm looking, you know, on the side of the, the stalls to see if I see anything, right? And I, I don't see anything at all. And just as I'm reaching towards the door to open the to leave the restroom. Um, I do happen to hear the giggle, the giggle again, and again, it came, gave me some creeps, gave me the, the heebie-jeebies. I walked out, went and grabbed my stuff, and just sat down and waited for class. Um, so yeah, ghosts happen, and they happen all over the place. Um, so I'm going to start off with this uh, first, with this with this episode, um, by reading the story of the Haunted Natatorium in Amarillo. Um, if you are not familiar with what a natatorium is, a natatorium is a swimming facility. Like, that's what you would call, like, an indoor pool. Okay. So, it begins. Old Route 66 through 6th Street in Amarillo, Texas, is home to the natatorium, famili familiarly called the Nat. And, according to locals, a few unearthly spirits as well. This area, listed on the National Register of Historic Places, has been fashionably restored to an antique district of collectibles, boutiques, and street-side cafes. The natatorium is an old-fashioned word for indoor swimming pool, and when this building opened in July 1922, that's exactly what it housed. However, in 1926, J.D. Tucker purchased the pool building and turned it into a dance palace, covering the pool over with a fine wooden dance floor. The net ballroom began to cater to flappers of the Roaring Twenties. The depression brought many changes to the nation, and the Nat offered a variety of promotions to continue to entice guests to the ballroom. Suffering through this period, the Nat was bought by a hairy badger in the early 1930s. In 1935, he added the castle-like facade and the Nat Cafe, which provided an entrance to the dance floor from Route 66, and renamed the business the Nat Dine and Dance Palace. Ushering in the Big Band era, the Nat had one of the finest dance floors on the Southwest, as groups such as Tommy Dorsey, Louis Armstrong, Benny Goodman, Duke Ellington, and Guy Lombardo entertained its many guests. With the advent of rock and roll, the Nat continued to entertain with the likes of Little Richard, Roy Orbison, and Buddy Holly and the Crickets. At its prime, the ballroom employed a staff of 52 people to help produce its entertainment events and serve the many happy customers of the Nat. Many old-timers who learned to swim at the Nat will later recall the fabulous Friday night dances and that they attended during its glory days. Several years ago, the Nat was purchased and renovated for an antique mall, 
Owners and guests would notice cold spots upon entering the upstairs room, once utilized as a gambling hall. On the, on the occasion, um, strange noises would be heard when no one was there and the owner would arrive to find the furniture rearranged during the night. According to one psychic, a female apparition was once spent uh, many hours in the gambling hall, appears in a white dress with a red stain on the, on the bodice. According to the legend, the lady was having a grand time one evening when another patron spilled a glass of red wine down her dress. Obviously, she had so much fun that she is reluctant to leave. Ballroom floor is said also be seen uh, with some popular spirits. When the band still play with the net, ghostly couple can be, can be seen gliding across the, the hardwood floors. In 1996, the net conducted an all-night ghost investigation, complete with video cameras and tape recorders. Though the investigators had many difficulties with the cameras, as they mysteriously shut themselves off. They did obtain a voice recording of a drum playing solo in the background and the sounds of a woman thinking. Another reminder that the spirits are seemingly unwilling, unwilling to give up the splendor of the past is on the outside wall of the building. Legend has it that although it was first painted over in 1942 and several times since then, the words Monty McGee and his orchestra continue to bleed through time and time again. In 1994, the Nat was placed in the National Register of Historic Places and became a Texas Historic Landmark in 1995. It continued to host big-name bands for a while, including the Dixie Chicks, Cooter Gras, and Joe Ellie. Under new owners, the building was restored and renovated and continues as an antique mall, which still occasionally hosts bands and hopes to include a cafe and movie screen someday. For more news on the Amarillo Natatorium, go ahead and visit our friends at Route 66 News. Nat is a prime example of whimsical roadway architecture. It's located at the 6th and Georgia on Old Route 66 in Amarillo, Texas. So, I mean, just thinking about that, um, I guess you could say not all ghosts have, um, you know, not all ghosts are creepy. I mean, you hear people, you see things. Um, I mean, it creeps you out because you're not expecting it, right? But... I mean, clearly the, the people in the past enjoyed that place so much that their energy is there and it lives on and it continues because that's what flourished. Um, you had people who enjoyed the music, the, the atmosphere, and that's a good thing. You know, not everything is, um, you know, wrought with, with uh, turmoil, um, which is what our next uh, um, ghost story will entail. Um, not necessarily turmoil, but something similar. So like I said, okay, um, not everything has to be filled with turmoil. And this next story, um, it hits a little closer to home. Um, we're going to talk about the history and hauntings of Fort Brown. Um, for those that know Fort Brown, they know that it is located here in Brownsville, Texas. And if you don't know, well, now you know. Uh, Fort Brown is in present day Brownsville, Texas and was established in 1846 as the first U.S. military post in Texas. Brigadier General Zachary Taylor arrived at the site in March 1846 to occupy the territory claimed by both the United States and Mexico. The initial fort was an earthen fortification constructed by Taylor's troops and called Fort Texas. When Taylor marched a large portion of his troops to Point Isabel, now Port Isabel, he left a gar garrison he left, it, he left a garrison to guard the fort under the command of Major 
Jacob Brown. Taking advantage of the situation, the Mexican army attacked the fort, sending part of their force to engage their central portion of Taylor's force as they returned from, the point, from Point Isabel. Taylor defeated the Mexicans at the Battle of Palo Alto on May 8, 1856, and at Resaca de la Palma the next day. These engagements were the first battles of the Mexican-American War, and one of the most critical battles fought on U.S. soil. Following these defeats, the Mexican army fled back across the Rio Grande. The fort was renamed Fort Brown and Major of Major Brown, killed in its defense. Federal troops left the fort with Texas secession from the Union during the Civil War. It was then occupied by Confederate Colonel John Rip Ford and his troops until 1863, when Union forces finally drove them out under General Nathaniel P. Banks who then camped in tents erected at the port site. However, in 1864, Confederate forces under General J.S. Slaughter and Colonel Ford reoccupied the area and held the post until the war's end. In 1867, a permanent fort was constructed under the supervision of Captain William A. Wainwright. The post remained active into the 21st century, often manned by regiments of Buffalo soldiers. On August 13th and 14th of 1906, the Bronsel Raid occurred, in which several unknown individuals raided the city, indiscriminately shooting at the town, killing one man and wounding another. The townspeople quickly blamed the black soldiers stationed at nearby Fort Brown, and when the army investigated the matter, they came to the same conclusion. The Secretary of War, William H. Taft, discharged all 168 black soldiers without honor. Yeah, how becoming of them? It would be another 60 years before a second investigation was held and the black soldiers had their their honor restored. Wow. Wow. However, only two of the original 168 men were still alive by then. Historians today believe the real culprits who shot up the town used the same caliber ammunition as the soldiers to frame them. Who would have thought that, you know? Wow. But I guess it was the times, right? On April 20th, 1915, the first U.S. military airplane to be attacked by hostile fire came from Fort Brown. The plane, manned by officers Byron Q. Jones and Thomas Millings, was looking to spot movements of Mexican revolutionary leader Francisco Pancho Villa. Though it did not cross the border into Mexico, it was fired upon by machine guns and small arms. The post remained active through World War II, but decommissioned in 1944. In 1948, the land was acquired by the city of Brownsville and Texas Southwest College. The fort buildings were sold or donated to the various organizations and schools in the Brownsville area. Several buildings remain dating from the post-Civil War era, many of which are located on the University of Texas at Brownsville and Texas Southwest Junior College campuses. A small portion of the earthwork fort remains as well. Amid Oxbow Lake on the University of Texas slash Texas Southmost College is an island that was once a national cemetery. However, in 1909, some 3,800 bodies were unearthed and moved to Alexandria, Louisiana. I don't think anyone's going to be bothered by then. I mean, no body's going to be, you know, upset about being moved to another, you know, location after dying, right? Not going to cause any paranormal activity at all. Nope, nope, nope. After the cemetery was moved, the island became a mecca for hotels and retail stores. However, it was later taken over by the college campus and now houses several dormitories and is known as the Village of Fort Brown. 
Um, this information is a little outdated. It no longer exists. Village of Fort Brown is no more. Um, and we'll get into that, okay? But just keep that in mind. It's no, it no longer exists, okay? In the village, numerous residents have reported strange occurrences, including lights, televisions, and water faucets seemingly turning on on their own. They have also reported seeing several apparitions, including a small gnome-like black figure that leaves behind a sulfur-like smell, a small boy and girl who have been seen playing, and another young boy who has been seen in the Rosaka area wearing 19th century period clothing. The old Fort Morgue was joined with a storage building in 1940 and now serves as Texas Southmost College office space. Though no one seems to know by whom it is haunted, it comes as no surprise that it is. During the fort's heyday, the morgue was used extensively by Dr. William Gorgas. He dissected bodies to study the yellow fever disease in a futile attempt to find a cure. I mean, of course, you know, you're dissecting bodies. That's not going to cause an issue. You know, it's not going to have, you know, a lasting history where ghosts are going to come back years later and be like, hey, dude, we're upset. No, that, that doesn't happen at all. In any event, odd things are said to happen here, such as electrical appliances turning on by themselves, small objects sleeping into the air, staff who have regularly felt a presence within their midst, and one who even had her hair pulled by an unseen entity. Others report anomalies in their photographs, including a solid dark image. More strange events occur regularly at the former post hospital, now called Gorgas Hall, and serving as the administration building for the campus. Here, numerous patients with yellow fever were treated in the 1880s, many of whom unfortunately died. A ward on the second floor of the building was used for violent patients. The most often anomalies are the faces of former patients peering from the windows and captured on film. Ooh, that, that's creepy. Uh, not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I, I've seen some stuff there, but we'll, we'll, like I said, we're going to get into that right now, um, finish the story with you guys. Um, let's see. Where was it? I lost my space. Um, they're most often seen, you know, looking through. Okay. Though they are apparently not seen with the human eye, witnesses have also claimed to see a face appear on the surface of the brick wall. Others have reported seeing spirits roaming throughout the building, including a doctor, a couple of nurses, and a mourning woman dressed all in black. Faint voices, footsteps, and other inexplainable noises are cons are con consistently heard in the building. Uh, other unearthly happenings include doorknobs that seemingly move all on their own accord, as well as objects transporting themselves. The 1904 co commissary slash guardhouse building now used as the art building, also has a record of hauntings. Its basement displays the metal grated cell gates where prisoners were once held. That's not going to cause an issue. Not at all. Mm -mm. Unfortunately, for art students, their projects are often found to be missing or damaged. Others report feeling cold drafts, hearing distant voices, having been touched by unseen entities, and the sounds of scraping metal on the outside of the building. The little chapel, which dates to 1868, also has its sheriff tales. Though it has moved from its original location, the move evidently brought its spectral phenomena with it. Here have, ha, here have been heard unearthly footsteps, and inexplicable shadows and movements have been reported. 
Tales of the Arnulfo El Oliveira Memorial Library date back for decades. That's where I would have my, my uh, remedial classes and that building. One of the oldest stories is of a night janitor who was startled when he stepped outside of the library to witness what appeared to be the entire fort still in action. Cavalry soldiers on horseback and infantry soldiers marching on the former parade grounds. More report, um, other claims include the spirit of a young girl appearing in 19th century attire who appears on the second floor. Look, I'm just saying, if that's who was giggling when I was in the restroom, child, you scared the bejesus out of me, okay? If that's who, if, if that was you, mijita, don't do that, please. It's early in the morning. Save that for the evening, por favor. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past that that's what, what it was. That's who, who was actually there when I was in the restroom that time. More reports tell of an evil phantom of an adult male who also appears on the second floor, as well as a dark, shadowy figure. Staff also report items being mysteriously rearranged. Mysterious chills. Fans turn on and off on their own accord. The sounds of creaks and rattling on the second floor. And more. Ghost hunters who have investigated these buildings support many of these tales, having recorded strange anomalies on the film, and voices on recordings. Um, if you want to visit the fort, come to Brownsville, Texas. Trust me, you can't miss it. It's the university now. Um, it's also Texas Southmost College still. So you would have a blast going there and actually observing it. Um, okay, so the village of Fort Brown closed down because of all these, you know, there were too many strange things happening. Um, not a lot of people were actually staying in the in the dorms. They actually made another set of dorms, you know, nearby. Um things like that okay now one day i parked in the dorm area um because when you had a at that time um if you had your your um your parking permit you could park just about anywhere for parking you know um around the campus as long as like you know your part you had the parking permit so i parked in that area and to get to the other side of the building you have to cross this uh you have to cross the the oxbow like the resaca and it was a pretty long you know bridge but I said, you know what? It was the best place to park because there was no issues there. And at that time, the um, village existed, but people didn't stay there anymore. There was no more dorms. The dorms had already been like, they had already built some new set of dorms. So that place was just vacant. So I remember parking and crossing, or I'm about to cross to the, to the other Rosaka, like cross the Rosaka. And I'm gonna, I'm trying to get to the bridge. Now, before there used to be like a little small bridge to cross over, sort of like a little walkway, so you didn't actually have to get near the building. And then you would from there, and it was a small bridge, you know, maybe at the most like you know three feet. And then you would hop over that, and you know, it was like right next to the big bridge. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to go. You know, that bridge had been torn down, had been destroyed by a storm and stuff. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to get to the other side, right? And at that moment, I see a janitor. Or what was supposed to be a janitor. I don't know. And he says, Vete por aquí. You know, and he, he signals like, you know, go through here. And he points, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, gracias. And when I turn around to like ask him another question, he was gone. I couldn't see him anymore. So either that man was like super fast or he was a ghost. I'm not too sure. Well, as I'm walking towards the area, I'm, I have to be right next to the actual like dorms itself. Um, and... I smelt something that smelled like sulfur and I saw like a little like black creature just zip by me. It spooked me. I wasn't sure what I saw. At first I thought maybe it was just a giant ass rat. 
uh, excuse my language there, um, it, it scared me. But I continue walking. As I'm walking, all of a sudden, I, I see they had these big curtains on the windows. Because mind you, these used to be hotel rooms and they were converted into dorm rooms. So I see the, the, the curtain behind one of the windows just move and then move back. No one's supposed to be in there. Um, I, I, you know, just said it was probably the air condition. Continue walking, walk up, you know, leave the area, get to the other side. Hours later, after I had my meeting and all that, um, cause I, I was going to the university that day for a meeting. Um, so when I leaving, I'm coming back the same route I came. And again, you know, you get that weird vibe. Something's watching you. I felt like it was being watched. And I get in my car and as I'm about to take off, I see something sitting in the back of my car. I did a double take by the time I turned around again. Whatever was there was gone. But whatever was there must have followed me home because ever since then I would start having like problems at home with like um, my printer would turn on and off by itself. It would print stuff on its own. It was very creepy. I had to get rid of that printer to be honest with you because it would freak me out. Um, so yeah, you have that. You know, the whole, um, you know, spooky situation there. Um, now, again, like I said, I'm not sure exactly how much of that is, uh, um, you know, is it in my mind? I don't know. Could have been. Could have been. But people have experienced stuff. And I'm not the only one. You know, other people have experienced stuff too. Um, they've, they like I said, they've, they've heard voices. They've seen things. Um, they've, they've, uh, um they've had different experiences in different areas of the, of the buildings. And again, remember this is to be a fort. So a lot of turmoil happened there. So it's possible that, yeah, you know, these are actual ghosts, you know, people who have an unsettled past and that's why they're there. Um, years ago, years, I was in second grade. My teacher, uh, well, my teacher aide, she was this, she was the teacher's assistant. She told us a story. I don't even know why, but that when she was in, in she was a, teenager she would sneak out of the house and she would go to the fort and back then they used like i said it was a hotel so they had a lot of dance hall was you know a lot of movement so she said that one day she sneaks out with her sister and like i think a friend or something and they go to the fort for a dance and her parents didn't know so they go over there and dance and they're leaving by they're leaving early enough to go home okay and um they're walking through the fort area when all of a sudden they hear what sounds like horse hooves so this is she said this is i think maybe this is i don't know if this is around two in the morning three in the morning or it was after midnight i don't remember that detail exactly but let's just shut this off as you know being after midnight and you know she hears the horse hooves she freaks out so they start walking faster and you know they hear the sounds getting louder so she's thinking oh my gosh what is this right and she starts getting like this, like, like this chill. She takes off her heels and they start running. She says that they just, you know, you know, booked in. They start running, um, you know, towards, I guess, wherever the taxis were at that time. And she said that, yeah, you could hear, you know, could even hear like the horse's name. Um, and it spooked her enough that she was like, oh, never again will I sneak out of the house. You know, um, it, it was creepy. So, like I said, I'm not the only one that's had experiences there. Other people have if you haven't visited the fort in, in Brownsville, Texas, you should. You really should. And if you had experience there, let me know what, you, what, what you've experienced. I am curious to see what other people have, have experienced there. 
I have many stories. We could fill up a whole, you know, episode on this. Um, just my stories alone. But let me know what has happened to you at Fort Brownsville. And if you've been to the natatorium in Amarillo, what have you experienced there as well? Have you heard anything there at all? And if you have any places that you want to talk about that are haunted, um, send me an email at galakaspod um, at gmail.com. And I'm happy to um, discuss your, your paranormal events. Follow Coffee and Galakas on social media. You can visit our webpage at galakaspod.com, where we have links to all our social media accounts and to all our, where you can hear um, the actual podcast, whether it's on Apple, Apple Music, on Amazon Music, or on Spotify. Um, go ahead and like and subscribe to stay tuned to all our latest content and hit the notification bell. So you can actually get reminded when we're posting something new. And remember that life begins after coffee.